0: Welcome to Tech Bytes, a 15-minute podcast at the intersection of IT and business. Today, we're talking with Zscaler, or as I like to say, Zscaler, on securing VPNs. There's been a really rapid transition to working out of the office that's changed the security posture for most organizations. Moving from centralized work, usually in a branch or attached to a campus, to distributed work, most often connected via some sort of remote access technology, is really changing the security posture and the way we have to consider security. Most of us are still thinking about connectivity, but now that we're getting to settle into this new normal, if you want to overuse a word, our users are unsupervised, we don't really know where they are, and we've got to start thinking about how we're going to address this problem. Joining me today is Lisa Lorenzen, who is a Director of Transformation Strategy at Zscaler. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you. It's lovely to talk with you. Oh, you say that now. Let's get straight into this. Look, there's so many challenges around VPNs, I can barely know where to start, but we want to focus today on the era of ransomware. How does Zscaler think about VPNs in the era of distributed work?
1: So in the previous conversation with my colleague, Nate Howe, y'all had a great conversation around a new model for secure work from anywhere, dynamic granular access with full visibility and consistent security policies that follow the user no matter where they go. But I'd like to look a little deeper into why this is necessary. VPNs have worked well for over 20 years. So what's driving people to move away from them? And when we start to explore that, we find two focal points. One is attack surface and another one is user experience.
0: Attack surface, that's interesting. That's not normally something that we've heard people talk about. Are we talking about VPN attack surface at the edge or at the core? Because really there's only two places where a VPN is insecure is at the device edge and at the VPN concentrator itself. Absolutely. And it's both. When you talk about external attack surface,
1: there's a number of ways that can manifest. When you move applications to the cloud, often there's a temptation to make them publicly visible and rely on single sign-on and user authorization to protect them. Yeah. But that's obviously a big increase in attack surface. We have an internet attack surface analysis tool that relies on publicly available information to identify possible vulnerabilities in cloud-published applications. And we ran this recently against a Fortune 500 company, and the test results were pretty shocking. We found for this particular target, 342 vulnerabilities in exposed servers, 495 exposed instances on public cloud providers, some of which may have been intentional, but maybe not all of them, and 378 servers with outdated encryption protocols. And that's just one example where an organization came to us and said, what can you see when you look at us? And we were able to tell them.
0: Ah, Okay, so what you're saying is I've got all of these servers and now suddenly I've presented them to the public internet so that remote work can occur, so people outside of the office can get access. Mm -hmm. But really, they're not security ready or they're not up to date and ready for that experience.
1: Absolutely, and it can be really hard to manage there are tools mm. like cloud security posture management that can help identify misconfigurations or check out cloud security against existing frameworks, but the more common approach is to not publicly expose them. So you put mm. them behind a VPN instead. Yeah, And this is where the attack surface becomes less obvious because insecure VPN servers are the gift that keeps on giving for attackers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the point is, is it's a honeypot behind the VPN. If you can hit the VPN concentrator and compromise it, then usually what you just said was the servers that are behind it are always insecure to some level because they're not exposed to the internet most of often. So that's that's what you want is to compromise.
1: Right. So again, there's external attack surface and internal attack surface. If you look at one Big example this year, in January, TravelX was hit with ransomware on New Year's Eve 2020. And they paid millions in ransom, but they were forced into bankruptcy regardless. When we look at the kill chain for that attack, attackers scanned the internet for unpatched VPN servers. They targeted the VPN server itself when they compromised the VPN server, not only did they have access to the internal network, but they also got access to logs, cached passwords, and plain text. They were able to leverage that information to gain domain admin access. And at that point, it's game over, right?
0: <laughs> they got really lateral in there. Once they were through the VPN concentrated, they went lateral and got a footholds everywhere that mattered and were able to own TravelX left, right. Up, down. Right.
1: They were deleting backups. They were disabling endpoint security. They pushed the ransomware, the Sodinokibi ransomware to the network systems. And that's how X ended up in the position they were, all because the VPN itself is an attack surface.
0: Well, the obvious point of this discussion is that Zscaler has got something in this space. How how do you solve that then? Because we talked in the previous show about how Zscaler has got the the VPN capability, the traffic flows into the Zscaler cloud. It gets the benefits of all the Zscaler functionality as it goes through the cloud. It gets the logging and the inspection, if that's what you choose, gets the increased security and that sort of stuff. But how do you solve this VPN problem then?
1: Let's talk through it one item at a time. The core underlying problem was unpatched VPN servers. So the VPN gateway in question, the vulnerability was found in 2019. In April of 2020, a year later, the US Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, issued a new warning that cautions that organizations using these VPN servers may still be vulnerable to hacking, even if they applied patches for the vulnerability because attackers were still a year later using compromised active directory credentials to gain network access. So fundamentally, patching is good, but it's also hard. We have a solution that is a cloud-enabled security service and the management of the software updates and maintenance on that service is our responsibility. So when you install the agent, for example, You have a choice whether you want to manage agent updates via your endpoint management platforms, or whether you want the agent to be automatically kept up to date on a particular version or on the latest version. When you deploy the connector components that deliver traffic, we keep those connector components running the latest versions of our code so that you don't have to.
0: This is the feature of your architecture, of course, right? It's centrally hosted. You have your own data centers that you control, which is part of your security posture, and in there is the code and you're effectively doing this continuous deployment of your infrastructure. So as and when you find a problem or you become aware of a problem for whatever reason, internally, externally, whatever it is, you're saying basically you're going to patch it and it's going to be fixed across the board.
1: Absolutely. And that's one of the huge benefits of a cloud enabled service is that responsibility for patching and updates and maintenance is on us. Another big challenge with uh, VPN is that in August, a hacker published a list of plain text usernames and passwords along with IP addresses for over 900 enterprise VPN servers. And that list was shared on a Russian speaking hacker forum frequented by multiple ransomware gangs. It had everything from SSH keys, IP addresses and firmware versions for the servers, lists of all of the local users and their password hashes, admin account details, last VPN logins, including usernames and passwords.
0: What didn't they have? That's everything you need. All you've got to do now is go and do the work.
1: And he got it by scanning the entire internet IPv4 address space for vulnerable VPN servers. Right. So what can we do to prevent that? We can make ourselves invisible. A VPN gateway inherently has an inbound listener that waits for the VPN client to connect to it. Mm -hmm. Our solution does away with that inbound listener. Our app connectors, which is the replacement component for that VPN server, makes an outbound only connection to the Zscaler cloud. It's TLS encrypted, mutually authenticated and certificate pinned. So attackers can't target either the cloud infrastructure or the connector infrastructure. They can't scan to find the connectors. They can't send any kind of crafted attacks towards them. The other benefit for our solution is that we integrate with your identity and access management or ICAM. Hmm. No credentials are ever stored within Zscaler for your users. So there is no way to compromise our service and then extract the kind of information that they were extracting from these VPNs.
0: So basically what you're saying there is that I need to provide my identity management solution, whether it's Active Directory or some other identity tool, But ZScale is not presenting that to me. That's something that I have to secure. It's also not scannable because it's probably on my corporate office and it's behind a safe and secure VPN that you've already talked about.
1: Right. Whether you're using an on-premise identity and access management or whether you're using a cloud-enabled identity service, either way, we connect the user to it. They get a SAML assertion. We use that to determine policy, but we're never part of the authentication process.
0: I want to come back to that certificate pinning just for a minute because that's really important because certificate pinning solves a lot of the TLS weaknesses and so forth. Like if you've got a VPN and it's running SSL3, SSL3 is now compromised. If you're running TLS1, you've got problems around that. If you're using modern TLS with certificate pinning, that's, well, for all intents and purposes, unhackable today.
1: Right. You can't man in the middle of the communications between our infrastructure components. And you can also piggyback on our security for your legacy web apps. If you have a web server that's only running weakly encrypted ciphers, you don't have to publicly expose that. You can c- encapsulate that traffic in our strongly encrypted connections and then we are protecting against those SSL vulnerabilities on the server until you have a chance to get around to updating it.
0: <laughs> and if it's an Oracle server, you know, or one of those vendors who's a little bit laggardly when it comes to patching the stuff or making the patches available, you can put it safely somewhere where it can't be found. Like that's part of this. is not It's not security by obscurity, but when you put something on the internet publicly, it's vulnerable, right? It's right. not obscure. It's effectively waving a little flag saying, I'm here to be found, right? A bit like your. Yep. Your house on Google Maps is visible, right? And that's the first part in scanning for whether I can break into your house. Similar sorts of problems.
1: Well, and speaking of breaking into your house, when we sent all of our users home due to COVID-19, one of the big security considerations, as you mentioned with ransomware, it's not just that companies could be compromised by targeting the company infrastructure. More and more, we're seeing attacks against the remote user as well. Hmm. So now that user is on a home network may be shared with multiple people working, kids in school. They are accessing corporate resources over the same network as all this other traffic. They may be vulnerable to web-based attacks.
0: Or or lateral movement inside of the house. You know, if you've got a partner or a kid and the kid's laptop is compromised and they've got access to the work laptop, lateral.
1: Completely. Mm. So we need to be able to protect their outbound traffic And we also need to be able to detect when these kind of compromises take place. Mm. So Zscaler's cloud service not only protects internally bound traffic to private applications, but we also give you protection and visibility for externally bound traffic to open internet and software as a service, and the visibility to see when an endpoint is behaving in a way mm. that indicates that it may be compromised.
0: The thing I like about all of this too is it also it scales. You've probably got an existing strategy in place for VPN today, but if you jump to something like Zscaler, you've actually got this pre-existing infrastructure. You don't have to try and scale it up. You don't have to go and buy hardware boxes. The thing that's in the back of my mind is if you're listening to this and you think this might be something that you want from Zscaler, you don't actually have to go and buy all of it at once. You can actually buy it piece by piece and start migrating your users one at a time. It's not a hurdle that you have to cross to start using this. It's an on-rep.
1: Right. And if we rewind to March, I spoke with an enterprise security architect at a major bank When they sent all their users home, they realized that their VPN infrastructure did not have the capacity to support them all. And they told critical users that they could access the VPN from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. And non-essential workers had to access it only between 5 p.m. and 5 a.m. With Zscaler, (laughs) you know, you're not going to run into that. You scale at our pace and frankly... At the same time period, as we started to see traffic ramping up on our global ZPA service, as Europe started to send people home, we realized we were going to have to scale up at a pace we'd never attempted before. Mm. In three weeks in March, we deployed the infrastructure we had planned out for the next 18 months.
0: Oh, I've got lots of stories like that, but you guys are absolutely at the center of all this.
1: We were able to scale by leveraging cloud-hosted infrastructure ourselves And this also means that we can really give a more transparent user experience because accessing private applications, you can cloudify that application. So the user can't see a difference between open internet, software as a service, infrastructure as a service, or data center applications. You don't have to think about whether your VPN is connected, where you're connecting to, and it's all accessed in the same way and protected the same way.
0: Yeah, this is that software-defined perimeter idea that we're seeing so much of these days. These clients that we put onto the edge devices are centrally managed, so you have a consistent policy everywhere.
1: Absolutely, and the secure access service edge also comes into it because we push the compute out as close to the user as possible, so we're not backhauling them around in our cloud, and the companies don't have to backhaul them around an internal network either.
0: Well, if people want to get more information, where can they go?
1: One great resource is our annual user conference, which has gone virtual this year. Zenith Live has workshops, breakout sessions, training, and roundtables. It's going to happen the week of December 7th. Um, Training all week. The America's version is December 8th and 9th, and the international version is December 9th and 10th. You can find more information at www.zscaler.com slash Zenith Live.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been actually quite delightful. It's a little bit of I hadn't thought about is that VPN concentrators are sort of sitting duck targets in some cases. And I suspect, although we didn't mention the name, I suspect I know the name of the vendor who's been having a tough time with their VPN compromises being owned left and right on the internet. If you'd like more information on this and other find-free podcasts from the Packet Pushes Network, head on over to packetpushes.net where you can find out lots more information. Thanks to Zed Scala for sponsoring us today you can find out more. They've got a particularly good ebook that I want to recommend to you. It's zscaler.com securing-remote-work. It's actually well done. I talked about it in the last show. It's a really nice piece of ebook. If you want some more brain food to think about how VPNs can work, uh, I found it quite useful. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at pushes, Find us on LinkedIn and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.